get ready. I mean, get ready, 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 ready. Welcome back, mentees. We're so glad that you could join us on our Intentional Leadership Podcast, powered by Academy of Dallas and Bear County Academy Public Charter Schools. And today we have an exciting guest uh, to talk about some serious issues, but I am so glad we were able to schedule you and you took the time out to meet with us and share some insight. Um, would you please introduce yourself and talk to us a little bit about your current role? Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me, Dr. Ross. Uh, my name is Dr. Tony Walker. Uh, I am a senior director over strategic education initiatives with the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute. If you're not familiar with the Meadows Institute, we are a Texas-based, statewide, nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that is basically a think tank. We like to call ourselves a do tank for all things mental health in Texas. And so we have different divisions of our organization that focus on different areas of mental health. Uh, for example, we have a whole team that does veterans mental health. We have a team that does uh, jail diversion programming and thinking about the way that we can improve uh, the way that policing is done. Uh, if we train our officers uh, through a mental health lens, we have a division that focuses on children's mental health and I help to lead our education portfolio and everything that involves our, our school-based mental health program. Wonderful. And, and I had an opportunity to kind of look over your bio as it relates to education and your work. Talk to us specifically about that, you know, your role, your roles in the past and uh, your support around mental health. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I, I've spent my entire career at the intersection between education and mental health. Uh, I started my career as a high school teacher. Uh, I found that my favorite part of the job was working with students one-on-one. -on -one. And so I decided I wanted to become a school counselor, became a school counselor, I loved it. But I knew that there was, there was something that was missing from my role as a school counselor. And, and I think what I began to realize more and more was it was that clinical mental health mm -hmm. piece. So I went ahead, I pursued my clinical licensure and then just started working my way up through the ranks of leadership in education, uh, was a director of counseling services. And then most recently for the past 10 years, I was a senior leader with Uplift Education, uh, which is of course the largest open enrollment charter school network in North Texas. And while I was there, I led and founded all of our student support services division. So that included five departments, which included uh, all of our social and emotional learning programming, clinical mental health services, all of our prevention and wraparound supports, things like substance use prevention, uh, suicide prevention, uh, that sort of thing. I also led our student discipline work, and we tried to do that through a very restorative lens. Uh, and then finally, our strategic partnerships. So certainly learned a lot along the way in that journey and now excited to help scale all of those learnings across the state in my role at the Meadows Institute. Because when I was at Uplift, we did quite a lot uh, in terms of school mental health. And by the time uh, after 10 years, 
uh, we were actually one of the largest school-based mental health programs in all of Texas. Well, we definitely want to pick your brain as it relates to uh, social emotional uh, learning and really looking at the whole child, uh, specifically as it relates to COVID and some of the problematic issues that we're currently facing as administrators, as teachers, as parents, you know, um, around mental health. Um, could you share some of maybe a, not a story per se, but give us some guidance as it relates to uh, mental health, especially as it relates to um, COVID and coming back, the socio-emotional issues that our children are currently facing, as well as the adults in the building? Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, that, that is the question, right? And so, I mean, we know the reality is we were in a mental health crisis before COVID ever hit us, Absolutely. right? We know Absolutely. that one in five kids, 20% wow. of kids are likely to experience a significant mental health disorder at some point in their life. And the problem is that only 10% of those kids are actually receiving the treatment that they need. Uh, we knew that before the pandemic, uh, incidents of, of kids experiencing major depressive disorder had already increased by 40%, that uh, those that were making suicide plans had increased by 44%. This was before the pandemic, right? So, of course, when COVID-19 hit and all of the, you know, the factors that came into play, we know that those numbers have, have just skyrocketed, right? We know that since covid our kids are dealing with whole new issues. We've had over 140,000 children, I just read in a, in a study the other day, that have lost a parent or a primary caregiver, right? And so we, we've got, and, and that's, that's, a low, that's a low estimate, mm -hmm. right? We've mm -hmm. got hundreds of thousands of kids that are grieving. Our suicide ideation rates have skyrocketed. There's been over 6,600 kids who have committed suicide nationwide. And that was at, as of uh, 2020. I just read, I'm based in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I just read stats uh, yesterday that in 2021, we've had 136 kids ages 10 to 18 in Dallas and Tarrant County who have died by suicide uh, in the past year. I mean, so so you see like the, the issues have just skyrocketed. Yes. And, and of course, we could make similar statements about adults who are also uh, burnt out and tired and stressed and dealing with their own trauma uh, and, and their own mental health issues as well. Absolutely. You can see that with our teachers and the number of teachers that either have retired or are just getting out the profession as a whole because of the demand of uh, uh, the, the workload, you know, and trying to educate children that were already behind, but are now even further behind and to, you know, not having the clinical experience having to deal with some of those problematic issues that are now within the, in, in the classroom. What would you, and, I, and I, I'm thinking about me as superintendent, um, at the lens of even a principal, what can we do to support children and the adults uh, in the building to, you know, deal with some of the things and some of the issues that are currently happening um, at this particular time? Yeah, I mean, the good news is, is I think there are a lot of things that we can do, right? This, this is not a hopeless situation. There are very clear actions that, that we as educators and education leaders can take uh, to help not only kids, but the adults in the building as well. But I think it's just a matter of, of doing them, right? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. so I think the first part of the question is, 
we've got to name it as a priority, right? We have to acknowledge that mental health is real, which I think we're doing since Mm -hmm. COVID, you know, Mm -hmm. more and more, right? I think more of us are aware that mental health is, is a real and important thing, but that's number one. Number two, then we've got to actually follow through after we've named that it's important, right? So we've got to invest in that. And sometimes that means change from the district level. I think that means allocating funding towards mental health programming and initiatives and staff. And there's a lot of different uh, evidence-based ways that that we know that we can do that, that we can build programs. There are certain positions that we can create. There's ways that we can uh, build mental health infrastructure into our school systems. I'm happy to talk more about that if you'd like. Uh, and then I, you know, I, I think the same is true at the, at the principal level or the teacher level, like, right? We, we've got to acknowledge that our responsibility as educators goes beyond reading and writing and math, and that it's more than test scores. And we know that kids will not learn, they will not achieve academically Absolutely. if their mental health needs and social emotional needs are not being met. So I, I think it's just making it a priority. And then there's some really specific uh, strategies, you know, that, that we can we can talk about that I'd recommend that folks consider. Well, I think as, as leaders, I want you to hear what he's saying. First of all, I'll recognize that there uh, has always been an issue um, but now it's more talked about based upon our uh, living through COVID, um, and it really has impacted the learning environment. Um, so at the district level, taking uh, the resources, financial resources, um, human capital that is needed to assure that, you know, we can support the, initi- uh, uh, the um, initiative uh, around mental health. Um, and then he's going to share with us some some strategies as it relates to that, you know, that the next step. You know, I want I, yeah, I, I definitely want to give will. those mentees some tools that they can take away from the podcast to get at least started in that particular process. Yeah, I, I will. And you know, before I do that, let me let me also just name something that that I I hope folks know, but I think is really important to to call out, which is that. At, so, so many kids, so many adults are struggling from, from mental health issues right now, but there are also some groups that are struggling more. And I think it's really important to name that, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we look at this data across subpopulations, there's some, there's some really interesting things that are sort of happening uh, according to the research literature that, that I want educators to know. The first thing is, uh, let's talk about our LGBTQ plus kids right, who are significantly more Absolutely. at risk of some mental health factors, right? About 40% of the total youth homeless population, mm-hmm. 40%, almost half, are LGBTQ, mm-hmm. right? Those are those are kids that have been rejected from their home environment and, and are needing to, to sort of find another place to live, right? That's, that's number one. We know that they are four to six times more likely to, com- to commit suicide uh, than their peers. Let's also talk about our black children who there's been a really interesting trend that's happened with suicidal ideation where it used to be, if we went back in time 10 years ago and you asked me about suicidal ideation frequency, I would have told you 10 years ago that black children were actually less likely to commit suicide than their white peers. That has changed and it's changed really rapidly. And so now we actually know that black children are nearly twice as likely to die by suicide than white children. Uh, and that has really just changed over the past couple of years. So there's been a really alarming uptick there. So I think educators you know, need to know about that. Um, just, just as a preface. No. In terms of st- 
I think I think you're spot on as it relates to that and to identify those populations that are you know, not targeted, but that are more likely to have challenges that are more vulnerable. Right. Most definitely. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, Okay. So in terms of strategies, let's, let's talk about it sort of in, in two, two lenses, right? So there's the kind of the district level strategy stuff, and then there's, there's the, the school level stuff. So I think from the district level perspective, there's a couple of things that I would recommend. The first is I would ask questions. If I was working with the school district, one of my first questions would be, what is the infrastructure that you have around mental health systems? And one that I would recommend if a district is not currently operating it is MTSS, multi-tiered systems of support, right? So this is like the pyramid that has tier one, tier two, tier three, with tier one being universal interventions, tier two typically being small group, tier three being those really intensive individual interventions. And a lot of times educators are really good at using that framework to think about academic interventions. We're not quite as good about thinking about it, the the same framework for behavioral and mental health interventions, Mm -hmm. right? But we should. Uh, And so I would say if we don't have the infrastructure, we're not all speaking the same language, that's a problem. So I think I think strategy number one is let's think about MTSS, make sure that you have that in place and make sure that we're really investing in the mental health components of that as well. That's number one. Number two, I would think about like very specific programs uh, that could fall within that MTSS framework. So, for example, does your district have clinical mental health counselors? Do you only have kind of this traditional school counselor role? If so, how much of their time are they actually spending doing counseling, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. in most districts, it's not very much. Uh, and, and so I would I would advocate, you know, it would be a great investment of staff to have some mental health professionals. If that's not an option, good news. There's, there's a lot of other opportunities out there. There is a statewide program in Texas called T-Chat, which is teletherapy. It's available free of charge to districts. uh, And that is run through our medical schools region by region. And this is professional quality mental health services free of charge through teletherapy. It's a great program. Uh, Schools just have to have to know about it. They've got to sign up for it. If they're not interested in that, you know, good news. There's another option. I think the other option is community providers and really leveraging community providers uh, to, to come into the school. And, you know, as we as we get further along, I can share some really interesting examples of, of districts that have done that, I think, really, really well. But I mean, there, there's lots of there's lots of ways to meet the need. Uh, I think it's just a matter of sort of picking the avenue that's going to work best for your district, because we know that one size doesn't fit all. Uh, but but then actually build out the programming to to go down that path and make sure that the services are there to meet the needs. You know, at the school level, I think it always starts with the principal and them naming that mental health is a priority. And I think what we're really talking about there is creating great, great culture, school culture, uh, investing in the priority of strong student teacher relationships. You know, one of the, the number one determinants of whether or not a student learns is whether the student perceives that their teacher likes them. Absolutely. It's like one of the number one, prior, like right. the number one determinant, right? But if you don't have strong student teacher relationships, then then that's, that's never going to happen. So uh, I think investing in social emotional learning curriculum, uh, you know, making sure that your school counselor 
isn't just pulled into academic scheduling and course credit checks and testing duties, but they actually have some time to do some counseling. Yes. Like there's things within your locus of control as a principal that you can, you can help uh, prioritize for your staff. What I what I'm hearing, everyone, mentees, as as I always say, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional with your focus as it relates to. Um, mental health awareness, and also supplying those resources that are needed to support that initiative within the district, but also more specifically at the campus level, and providing um, the curriculum, but also the human resources that are, are, are needed. I really do appreciate you sharing various avenues, because as a, uh, a leader of two school uh, charter school districts, um, Funding is always, you know, the thought process. Um, and to know that there are avenues or resources out there that are free, you know, especially being a smaller charter um, organization, that's wonderful to know. So that was an aha moment for me. And I want to make sure that those individuals that are listening to the, the broadcast really capitalize on some of those resources, some of the definitely those strategies that he shared. And I echo what you're saying as it relates to the culture as well as the climate of the building as it relates to, first of all, being comfortable to have those conversations uh, around mental health and wellness, um, as well as where students feel comfortable if they're going through a traumatic episode that they can talk to a teacher, and that is through relationship building, um, yeah. which needs to be priority. Yeah. yeah, and we have to focus on that because any way for us to, to if we want to get those academic outcomes, we're going to have to make sure that they're mentally ready to receive right. instruction. And that's right. the bottom but, line. Mm -hmm. But Go it starts ahead. with the principal because, you know, if, if, if we just say, yeah, this is important guys, you know, but then we never talk about it again, right. or we're not bringing it into evaluation conversations or into classroom observations, then like, it's not really going to stick. Right. And so I, I just think it's a matter of like making sure that it becomes a part of everything that a school does, uh, that social and emotional component should be built in. The really great thing is that there is no better place, in my opinion, to provide mental health care to kids than a school, because where else are kids literally 40 hours a week? You know, like <laughs> you, have, you have so many eyes that can watch a kid. And so there's really no excuse. Like if, if anyone should catch a student who is who's suffering from a mental health issue, it should be school personnel because we've got so many eyes on kids. We're, we're literally watching them all day. Uh, and we know them, right? And we know their families. And so we we should be able to tell if there's some sort of behavioral change or, or something that feels a little bit off uh, to then be able to route them to the, to the types of services and care that they need. Well, I want you at this particular time, because we uh, there are three questions that I always ask at the end of the broadcast, but I want you to give... Um, some final thoughts surrounding mental health and awareness. Um, you want to uh, restate some of the resources that are made available to districts, parents, um, even even teachers, you know, adults within the building. Um, please, at this time, share with our, our, our audience um, your thoughts. Yeah, I, sure. You know, so so I would say, number one, we're, we're in a critical situation. Right. But the good news is, is that it is not a hopeless situation and that there are very clear solutions that can be put into place. It is not too late for us to build out programs and services that will help meet the holistic needs of our students and our staff 
and our parents and our communities, right? So there are, there are like very clear things that we can do, I think is point number one. Point number two is if you are in a position where you have decision-making authority to, to potentially build some of these programs, and I think we all do, right? No matter what your role is, right. it's just what's, what's within your locus of control, then, then, I mean, if you don't know where else to turn, call, call me, right? Look up, look up the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute. Uh, you will find my, my name, my contact info. Call, in. <laughs> yes. call me and, and I will point you in the right direction. But, but there are lots of other great resources that are out there as well. You know, some of which I've mentioned there, you know, you, you've got to start with this programmatic infrastructure piece. I'd recommend reading more about multi-tiered systems of support. I always recommend some avenue of, of service provision and whether that's in-house that you're building out kind of your own clinical uh, model of supports, or maybe you're leveraging things like T-Chat, which is the teletherapy that's available, or you're leveraging community partners. Like you, you got to have a place to send kids, uh, you know, when, when they have those needs. Uh, and then finally, just, just know that you, you can do it, right? All of us aren't sort of in a different, a different place with this work in some districts, you know, have bigger budgets and more resources that they can allocate than others. But you know, all of us have have the ability to really make a substantial difference uh, as as we do this work and, and better the outcomes for kids. And I just think this is such a fundamental piece of it. So, you know, I, I feel very encouraged uh, to, to hear some of the conversations uh, that I've been part of recently with superintendents and leaders across the state where more and more and more folks really feel energized about this topic. And so we've just got to keep moving forward, regardless of all of the other noise that might be in the background. You know, we've got to keep doing the right thing by, by kids. And I think this is just a fundamental piece of it. I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time out. I know you have a busy schedule and, you know, really enlightening our audience around mental health awareness and giving us some tools to get started with the work that we have to do. It is challenging, but we can do it. We definitely can do it. And we, we have to do it. We have to do it. So the final questions I have, there are three with you. For, for you. Uh, the first one is what motivates you? I, I think it's the need. You know, I think it's the need when I when I think about the 136 kids in just Dallas and Tarrant County that last year took their lives. That's that's what keeps me up at night. That's what gets me to jump out of bed every morning and say, we've got to do better uh, and we can. And so so that's what really fuels my passion. How do you inspire others? I, I think I think the way that all of us do, right, is, is just by trying to to walk the walk, you know. And and I think it's just it's the way that we we sort of practice what we preach. And knowing that I am extremely privileged to have the opportunity to get to work statewide, to work with the Texas Education Agency and our ESEs and districts across the state. Uh, and so I think I think it's just about authenticity. And and when you talk about the reality of the needs and the severity of the needs, you know, it just kind of shines through, you know, that, that this is real and this is something that, that we need to unite around. Uh, and I think that's, that's always inspirational to others. And the final question, how do we transform mindsets to meet those desired outcomes? You know, I, my, my approach to that is always just to, to sort of meet folks where they are you know, knowing that every district is different, every district has different needs, uh, every population has different needs, and that's okay. You know, we're, we're not all trying to, to be a uh, cookie cutter. Uh, but, but I think really shifting mindset starts with first acknowledging where we are, 
And what is the vision? Where do we want to go? What is the path that we're going to take to get there that makes the most sense? And grounding that in the reality of of the present situation. So, you know, some of the stats that I shared at the onset, that's the reality of our present situation. That's why we need to move forward. uh, And it's just a matter of figuring out how we're going to get where we need to go. Well, I would like to thank you so much for participating in today's broadcast. This is a great opportunity for our leaders and our mentees to get a wealth of information to share with their teams around mental health and awareness and focusing on doing the work that's necessary for assuring our our students, staff, and those that we come in contact are successful in life. We want to thank Dr. Tony uh, Walker for his time and safe travels today. Thank you, Dr. Russ. Thank you so much for having me.